This week on Anything Goes. And I remember feeling relief at saying, I'm done, I don't want to do this anymore. And then super nervous to say, also, I think I might be queer. Welcome back. I'm your host, Edwina Robertson, aka Eddie, and this show is brought to you with the intention of sharing interesting stories, experiences, and conversations, well, from mostly normal people. This episode contains adult themes, and it's recommended that it's listened to away from small ears. Tess Lehman, photographer based in Newcastle in New South Wales. Thank you very much for your time today. When I saw your story, there was just this little snippet of it and I went, ooh, how does one go from that to that? And that quickly. (laughs) Just on a whim kind of. (laughs) And we'll get into the, the details of it, but who are you, Tess? What's your life look like in this day in 2023? So I am 38. I'm a photographer. I live in Newcastle. I have three small children. I'm queer. I have ADHD, just like banging on the labels here. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) And I live with my partner, Emma, in Newcastle with my three kids that I parent about three quarters of the time. And then they go to their dad, who's a lovely bloke that I'm no longer with. I don't know. We have two dogs. <laughs> how old How old are your kids, Tess? 12, 10, and 8. Okay. So they're still young. They're not babies. They're still young. Yeah. But obviously, as you've just mentioned before, you were with a man and now you're with a woman. And, yeah, I'm just all kinds of intrigued about how this happened. So tell me about your your marriage and, and how that started. Uh, my ex and I, we met on the mines when I was 19. Um, so I was working in a shop and then I moved into the bar and he was at the bar very often and there was about 10 blokes on site that I could handle without wanting to punch them in the face multiple times uh, and he was on that very short list and then we started dating when I was 20 we had we got pregnant at 20 I was 25 had our first baby I was 26 and then three very quickly all together so my first baby was born yeah 26 28 and 30 I think did you get married to him no we never got married we got engaged and we did try and elope to Italy at one point and the night before we were about to elope his mum was like oh I just can't wait for your wedding it's gonna be so great we're gonna have such a big party and I was just like oh shit like if we elope this poor woman is gonna be heartbroken and that's a bit rough I don't know about that um, so we didn't elope and then we just never really got married and just had three kids and on our merry way we went. And it was never a desire or an, a priority for you guys oh, to get married? I just think it, like we got busy with kids and life and just, I don't know, never made it a priority, I guess. It wasn't something I was like adamant needed to happen. I do remember asking him in the last couple of years we were together, oh, you know, like should we do that? And he was like, oh, I don't really see the point like we've got three kids we're pretty committed I was like oh yeah okay Mm. and then it just ended and so we weren't married and tell me about your relationship with him was it pretty healthy like what what kind of relationship was it well we were really good friends before we ever got together 
That's nice. Um, yeah, it was nice. And that friendship, like we're still mates now. I still, you know, call him and have a chat and find out what's going on with him or talk about the kids or whatever. He's a really lovely bloke. Like he's not a, you know, he's not a bad person. I never would wish him any harm. Like we had a loving relationship. I think in the last couple of years I was feeling quite overwhelmed with the kids. I was desperately trying to figure out who I was because I think the thing with childhood that, or parenting rather, that nobody really talked about very much when I first became a parent was how much that changes you as a person. I think it's more talked about now, but certainly, you know, my oldest is 12. It didn't seem like a topic I'd heard very much about, you know, and I was fucking young. Like I've got a 24-year-old niece now and I'm like her having a baby next year is just mind-boggling and I was, yeah, I was 25. I thought I fucking knew everything, you know, as you do when you're 25. I thought I knew everything when I was 19. The older I get, the more I realise I know fuck all. Do you think that loss of identity started after your first or it gradually built up by the time you'd had your third child? I think it started with the first. It's just such a massive shift. Do you know what I mean? Like before you have kids, you define yourself by your work or by your life and then a baby comes along and you have to put any needs and wants you want way down the fucking list, like right down, just just to keep a small human alive. You've got to feed them and bathe them and you, all you talk about for a couple of years is like shit and feeding times and sleeping times and how many nappies have you, you know, like it's just, it's not awful by any means but it is a definite life change and that work piece of it of like the physical act of caring for another human that piece is quite intense and I think you know I had a reasonable understanding of who I was before I had children but after I had children I it really was all up for grabs I was just like well I don't my whole entire life has changed who I was as a person no longer exists okay so who am I now and then that just kept building I think <laughs> if I look back, I'm like, so we had my oldest in Mariba, then we moved to Perth, we had the second child there, and then we moved to Noosa, had the third child there. So, like, there was a lot going on to sort of distract me from thinking too much about it. And then in Noosa, it was like, okay, like, this is sort of becoming more of an issue, and like, I don't really know who I am. And then, okay, well, maybe I'm a businesswoman. So, I like, had a co-working space and ran a big event and ran a bunch of little events and just like was like, oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur or whatever. And then stopped all of that. And then I was renovating a house, uh, the house we were living in in Noosa. And he was working away a lot at the time. He sort of always worked away. He was still in the mines? He was still in the mines. And as I was renovating this house, I just was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, is this the life I want to live? Is this who I am? Like it just was all on the table. Is this what I want to show my kids that life is? Is this, you know, how I want to be in the world? And I remember this one particular night. So I was like, I had all the kids at home. I was sort of homeschooling. Use that term very fucking loosely. I was home. Sometimes I was schooling. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, the kids learn how to paint a wall. They learn how to plant some gardens. Life skills. A little bit of maths and English. Yeah. So there was all of that in the mix. I was fucking tired. So I would get up with the kids of a morning, I would entertain them and do as much as I could with them around, and then I would put them to bed and I would, you know, do other stuff like paint a wall or whatever. And I remember this one night I was painting this white wall and I just sort of had this moment of like, if I don't make a different decision, my life is going to look exactly the same in 15 years and I don't know if I can bear that. 
A, and B, where the fuck am I showing my kids that life is? Like if I'm living for other people, which by that stage I think I sort of didn't really know what I wanted, I just knew it wasn't that. And I was also pretty sure that that interest I had always had in women was maybe more than just I think she's dressed nicely or whatever. So you'd, until this point, you'd always been heterosexual? Yes. Disclaimer, I had had very intense friendships with women where I was like quite emotionally invested. I had had spectacular friendship breakups, which I don't think is an uncommon thing. I think, you know, straight women, queer women, we all tend to have, we all tend to invest quite heavily into our female friendships. But looking back, there was a layer there that I'm like, I don't know that that was, I don't know that straight women friendship like quite like that, like how much I was putting into it. Um, And then I was asked if I was gay a lot from like 17, 18 to like 23 or four, basically till I started having kids. And then I guess the presumption often is that you must be straight. But even then, if I didn't have the kids with me, like I remember going to Byron once just before I split up with my ex-partner and being and just being hit on by women three times in one weekend and being like, oh, like this is a real thing. It's not just me in my head. Yeah. You know, you're giving off it. Yeah, everyone's gaydar is like she is not straight, <laughs> even though you're in a heterosexual relationship. Yeah, yeah, and even when I was with him, like I remember someone, like a friend, being like, "Dude, you're gay," and I was like, <gasps> "You know." Yeah, did you get offended by that? Oh, I got pissed mm. multiple times, which is you know, it's just my own internalized homophobia. Like I grew up in country New South Wales. Gay was a thing for other people. I remember having arguments with, like, mates when I was a teenager and being like, you know, like, they're not bad people and you know people that are gay, you just don't know they're gay. But it was for other people. Like, I was championing for other people. It was not for myself at that point that I knew of. Why do you think people just openly made this assumption that you were gay. What were the qualities or some of the traits you were portraying that they went, oh, yeah, Tess, Tess is gay. She might be with a man, but she's gay. <laughs> so I remember I was living in Canada when we got pregnant with my oldest and I would say stuff like, oh, my partner. And I was selling cars at the time for Toyota, as you do, and people would be like, oh, what's your partner's name? And I'd say Simon, and they would be like, oh, oh, you're not, you're not gay. <laughs> not Simone, Simon. <laughs> no, yeah. And then I would have to specifically say that sometimes. And then the people who had said I was queer prior to that were women that were queer themselves that I had had friendships with that were intense and then I would like one was like a sort of drunken confession of like I'm gay and so are you and another one was like well obviously you're gay like do you not how have you not clocked that about yourself and I was just like furious furious the interesting thing is when I split up with my now ex-partner uh I, I sort of said oh you know like this isn't working and I don't want to do this anymore and da 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 and where I'm crying and he's crying and you know we're having this like lovely moment and then he was talking about his experience of that and then I was sort of talking about my experience and then I was like oh you know I think I think I might be bi and he was like yeah Tess like that's always been there and I was like oh like even you've clocked it more than I've clocked it, you know, or more than I would allow myself to clock it. 
you know, I was so ridiculous. Like I look back and I'm just like, oh, for God's sakes, you're just so over the top with it. But I like wouldn't listen to Katy Perry, I kissed a girl, wouldn't read a book that had a queer theme in it, wouldn't watch a movie that had a queer theme in it. If any queer stuff came up ever, I would immediately just be like, I just can't. Where do you think that lack of validation for who you biologically were being interested in females, Mm -hmm. where do you think that came from? Sometimes we form opinions of ourselves that are untrue because we've heard somewhere in our, usually in our, typically in our childhood that we go, okay, that's not okay to be that. So I'm going to squash that feeling or that reality or that belief or that truth, regardless of what everyone else thinks, I'm going to squash that because that's what I believe to be wrong. So where do you think that came from? Because obviously it's sticking out like dog's balls to everybody else (laughs) (laughs) that you are gay, but you're like, no. And, and to not even listen to songs or, you know, to lyrics or to consume any media or content that brings that up for you, that's, that's, that's pretty full on. That's really kind of trying to just completely ignore it. In hindsight, where do you believe that came from? I don't know. So I grew up in northern New South Wales. You know, gay was a slur when I was a kid. Ah, oh, you're fucking gay, whatever. Um, you faggot. You know, that was all that sort of language was like used as the opposite of an endearment. Like it wasn't, it was an insult. I grew up Catholic. I didn't see very many examples of queer people existing happily in the world. One of my cousins actually was gay and I remember when my grandmother died, so I was like 13 or 14, uh, and I was at the funeral and I just wanted to follow this woman around everywhere who was openly queer you know, had told the whole family, yada, yada. And I just thought she was like the fucking best thing since sliced bread. And I just was like, oh, my God, like she's so great. So this would have been the late 90s then. Yeah. And that was sort of the first positive experience I'd had of a queer person anywhere. I remember stuff like walking in Brisbane. I was I was a teenager at this point. I was at boarding school in Brizzy, so I was, you know, 16, 15, 16, 17, somewhere there, and walking with my dad and there were these two women in front of us holding hands and dad was like oh that's fucking disgusting and I remember saying at the time like not dad like it's just the same as your mum holding hands like it's not any different and he's like oh I just don't see it you know I mean you you grew up in the country too that like has changed a lot I think but certainly my experience of it in the 90s and I mean attitudes in Australia have changed we know that but you know I got called disgusting a couple of years ago because I was holding a girl's hand. If I reflect on my first memory of seeing a gay couple, it was probably males. I don't think it was until I was a lot older, probably in my teens or late teens, until I saw a gay female couple. And if I look at like how my brain works, when I think of gay Straight away, I think of men. I don't think of two women. So it's interesting, you know, that reflection upon how, you know, obviously growing up in the country as well and how I've seen it that, that I think, yeah, I saw gay men a lot earlier and a lot more consistently before I saw gay women. Yeah. 
And I mean, the thing is, we're sort of conditioned to look at queer relationships between women as like, oh, they're just really good friends. You know, it's not very obvious. If you were walking, you know, like I remember um, a friend of mine, her older sister held my hand once, just like that was a thing that she did with other women. She's straight. She's still straight. You know, she's married. She's got kids, the whole bit. And I remember her holding my hand and like walking down the street of town and I was like, oh, shit, like. And she was very relaxed about it and she sort of would hold hands of men and women, you know. So I think we're sort of conditioned to accept that like, well, women holding hands is probably friends or women walking together is probably friends. And if you don't know to look for like those hidden symbols that queers used to sort of tell each other, oh, yeah, like I'm also gay, you know, that I may have been doing a fair few of without ever really realising, then it's it's not necessarily like I know quite a lot of country queer people that happily live in the country and are openly gay. Like I remember dad just this was actually like two years before I came out, he sold property to two queer women and then he bought a property for himself off two queer women. And he was like, oh, yeah, like I'm, you know, they're lesbians and like I talk to them and like he was really like open about the fact that he was talking to these gay women. He was quite proud of himself. And I was like, oh, okay, like that's. That's great, Dad, but, like, I was also, like, internally I, I sort of clocked, oh, like, that he wouldn't have done that 15 years ago. Okay, so you'd been in a relationship with Simon for how long? And let's go into the time when you went, okay, you know, I have this identity crisis, I think I'm gay, or well, I am gay. How did that unfold? So it was 13 years we'd been together. It's a long time. It's a long time. And I think, you know... It was mostly good. He's a lovely guy. I really like his company. You know, like there was a lot that I was like not having to question because it was, you know, I think maybe if it had been an awful relationship, maybe I would have hit that point earlier. I don't know. But I was just like, oh, yeah, well, this is like how people do relationships. This is, you know, he's lovely. He's a good person. I like being around him. I like our conversations. I like sex with him. I feel like there's things wrong with me, but that's just a me problem. That's not a like common problem. Yeah. So there was like those sort of layers, you know, and he was like, he's a really kind guy. And so I also had this thing of like, if I leave him, everybody's going to wonder what's wrong with me because he's lovely, which is again, not very helpful thinking, but certainly something I was believing to be true. And then... I just sort of got to this point, you know, and like I do have ADHD, so sometimes I can get to a point quite quickly and then other times I can like be quite good at not seeing things that are true about myself and just not seeing things in general. I don't know if that's an ADHD thing or a me thing. Sometimes I get my symptoms confused with my personality traits. (laughs) (laughs) But so we had this year that was quite intense. I was sort of renovating the house. That had been my idea and I was sort of on board with that. He was sort of less so, but was like, yeah, okay, go for it. And then he was working a lot to sort of, you know, fund the renovation and look after the family and that sort of thing, which he has done a beautiful job of doing. I think maybe that last year it was also a way of him to sort of distract himself from the fact that he wasn't okay, I wasn't okay, you know, things weren't like we were both sort of struggling at that point without each other and within ourselves, I think, you know, it was sort of, like we had, um, so the oldest was seven. So there were seven, five, and three. It's quite intense. They were, you know, quite busy. And then I added in this fucking renovation thing to it. I remember talking to a therapist at the time. She was like, so you weren't okay. 
And then you decide it'd be a really good idea to add in a renovation and homeschooling your kids on top of that. And then you're quite surprised that it's all gone pear-shaped. And I was like, I'm not surprised, but like, yeah, I did. I did do all of that. It's me. I did that. (laughs) Yeah. Risk analysis, not something I'm typically very good at. Yeah. So we was just sort of trying to get through the year, I think, and trying to renovate and trying to manage the kids and stuff. And it just left me with a lot of like late night thinking time which I maybe hadn't had without a distraction for the few years before that. And uh, I think there's something about too, and this is a personal theory, I don't know if it's true, but there's something about renovating, especially a home that you've lived in that can pick up a lot of stuff of, you know, you can sort of peel away some layers while you're doing that of like what is happening within you. For me, I don't know if that's true for everyone. Yeah, so this last year I was just sort of like, oh, this is not really working. There was a period where the kids got really crook. You know, there was like a bunch of other stuff, external stuff. And then inside me was just this turmoil of like, what am I doing with my life? Who am I? Am I queer? Can I be queer? Is that a thing I'm allowed to be? Is he going to be okay if I break this off? Are the kids going to be okay? What is this going to do to my external relationships outside of this one in terms of family and friends and parents and his parents and his family you know like there was that layer and I kind of just got to the point of like even if it all goes pear-shaped I cannot continue to live the way I am living it's not fair to him it's not fair to the kids it's not fair to me it's just not okay like I just I'm not doing a good job of this because I am not being myself and I'm not happy and that is not a nice that is not the person I want to be. When you effectively ended your partnership with Simon, what what was that conversation? Things were quite intense with the renovation at that point. He'd sort of been home a couple of days. I'd gone and had two days away and then I'd come back just because I was like, I need a break. I just need to get like I just need two days. I'm gonna go leave you with the kids. I'm just gonna have two days and come back. And then I came back and I had sort of resolved within myself I had to have the conversation. And I remember we put the kids to bed one night, both standing in the kitchen, which was just fucking chaos. I think we were painting the cupboards. So there was just like everything was out on top of these two benches. I remember clearing a little spot for myself to sit on this bench, you know, just so we could have this chat. And I was just like, we need to have a chat. And he was like, yeah, I think so too. And I was like, I don't, you know, I don't think this is working. And he was just like, yeah, it's not. And then. I was just like, I just, I, I, like, I can't do this anymore. I'm like, I still love you, but I just cannot do this anymore. And so we sort of had this back and forth conversation. And then, you know, I was like, I'm queer. And he sort of said, yeah, like, I know. And so there was this whole thing. And then it just took months of like multiple conversations back and forth, all of that stuff that came up of like, around the queerness, around the relationship. Like it was months of conversations and then just, you know, he would go away and then we'd come back and then we'd have another conversation and then he'd go away and then he'd come back and like that sort of went on for a while. You know yeah. when when people break up or, or often when relationships start to kind of suffer and there's some turmoil and there's some misalignments and, and things aren't great and, you know, when me one person goes and cheats, it's almost like – Something's bought in so you don't have to be real about what's happening within the relationship. So someone will cheat in order just to end that relationship because it's easier than going, hey, I'm not happy in this relationship. I don't have the capacity to work on this relationship. So I'm going to cheat because that's going to kind of give me a bit of a a cheap out, right? Mm -hmm. Do you think 
Because you hadn't been with a woman until that point. I hadn't even kissed a woman, Eddie, like nothing. So you've never kissed a woman but you're going, oh, hey, I'm queer. Mm -hmm. Do you think, and I say this with respect, that was a, a little bit of a cheap out of that relationship because there were so many things you couldn't process or was that genuinely how you felt? No, it was genuinely how I felt and it was just this like, if I don't say this, my life is never going to change. And I remember feeling relief at saying, like, I'm done, I don't want to do this anymore, and then super nervous to say, also, I think I might be queer. And I knew the impact it would have across my family, which it did. You know, I have quite tense relationships now that maybe weren't that before. I knew that it would have effects on my friendships, which it did. Because it's basically like saying this version that you know no longer exists. I'm not up for being this person that I have said I am for the last, you know, 33 at this point. For 33 years I've said I'm this and I don't want to be that anymore. I don't want to be that person. I'm not that person. That's a hard thing for a lot of people to grapple with. And certainly there was people in my life that didn't grapple with it well at all, which is, you know, completely understandable. Like I get it. I've basically said to you the person that you know no longer exists. So, yeah, I understand that that's not easy. But I didn't feel as much relief saying that I was gay as I did saying that the relationship had ended. But I remember as I got used to saying I was gay, like I started to feel more myself. Does that make sense? More authentic, really. Yeah, which I'm not. I'm not an inauthentic person. I had just refused to let myself accept this part of myself for so long. How did you broach this with your kids? (laughs) The interesting thing is I had talked for a long time, before I ever had this conversation with my kids, I had talked a long time about how families are made up of lots of different people, families change, some families have two mums, some families have two dads, some families have three mums and one dad. You know, like I had just sort of always said that to them since they were little because I had this thing of like I don't want them to not be accepting of people. I had queer family members, I have a trans family member, like I had people in my life that I knew were queer. I also just didn't want my own childhood for them. So obviously on some level I knew that this was true before I ever got to the point of saying it out loud because I was prepping people around me in hindsight. It's like subconsciously. And I never, you know, like I've talked to my ex about it and he's like, well, you didn't hide it. I was like, oh. The only person who wasn't willing to accept it was you. Yeah. How did your kids handle it? Um, They are completely unbothered by that piece, I think. (sighs) Wow. Yeah, I really built up the conversation in my head and I was like, fuck, I've got to have this conversation with them, you know, like I've got to tell them that their dad and I have split up, like I was really worried about that and they were just, their response was sort of like, okay, cool, well, do we get two pools, like one at each house? And I was like, fuck, okay. Like that did not go down how I thought it was going to go down. And then I, again, like psyched myself up to have the like, okay, well, I'm queer actually conversation and my oldest goes, yeah, mum, I know, and just walks off. She was like nine, eight at the time, eight. I told her the following year. And then, you know, the youngest was sort of four or five when I sort of started dating women. And so, yeah, I don't really think she clocked it as a thing that she needed to have an opinion about. She was like, oh, yeah, you've got a girlfriend. Like, Well, effectively, you're their mum, and that didn't change for them. 
No, and my parenting didn't change. Mm. You know, I'm still an active parent. I still have conversations with them. I'm still showing up and making them dinner every day and, you know, having conversations with them about their friends and their lives and, you know, it's just not something they give a fuck about because it's ultimately like, yeah, it affected them in terms of like their house changed and like, you know, the people in their life changed. But in terms of my relationship with them, I think that's sort of, stayed pretty consistent and I just I don't know I think kids have a different reaction than maybe we think that they will stuff that we think is a really big deal they're like meh and then something that's a really big deal for them we're like oh okay yep this is the thing so once you formally separated from Simon okay you've been in a relationship for 13 years mm-hmm. been with the same man for 13 years and I think this it doesn't matter if you're gay, straight, black or white in this situation, if you've been with the one person for 13 years and then you're out on the dating scene again, will you then, okay, now I flirt, now I date, now I am open to women or were you still pursuing the interests of men? How did that sort of work for you? So I waited until about 12 months after I split up with Simon and then I jumped on the dating apps. And then I would get off because I would get completely overwhelmed. (laughs) I was only ever interested in women. But I was just like, okay, I don't know how dating works. I don't know what the rules are. I'm not real good at rules anyway. Like there's a lot of rules that don't make much sense to me. So Join the club, Tess. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to hear about the first date I had with a girl? Yeah, go on. So I had tickets to see G-Flip in Brisbane. I was living outside of Byron at the time and I was talking to this girl who lived down near Coffs. Anyway, so she was like, oh, yeah, I'll come. I was like, come, I've got a hotel room already. I've got a ticket for myself, but, like, you can either get one or not. I don't really care, but I'm going to this concert if you want to come. She was like, yeah, okay, I'll come. And she picked me up and she was, I don't know, five or six years younger than me, which is not a bad thing, but um, we had quite different life experiences. And so we were driving there and I was like, Ooh, this is tricky. Okay. I'll just like roll with it. She sort of had a lot of opinions about how she wanted her life to look, which is totally fair enough. I had opinions before I had children as well. And now I've had children and then I just, I don't have opinions on that anymore. There's certain ways I'd like my life to look, but I just know that it might not happen the way I want it to. Anyway, so we're driving along and we get to Brisbane and um, we go and get some food and then we go back to the hotel room. And she has a shower and hops into the bed and was sort of like, oh, well, do you want to like mess around before we go to the concert? And I was like, yeah, just so awkward. No idea what to do with myself, just so completely beside myself. So I'm sitting on the bed, like on the edge of the bed, just completely nervous. And she's like in the bed. Um, She was like, are you all right? And I was like, no, I'm not okay. And she knew I hadn't slept with a woman, but she didn't know the rest of it. And um. And she's like, oh, well, would it help if we went and got a beer? Like, would a beer help? And I was like, yes, great idea, amazing. And I went down to grab the beer from the fridge in the hotel room. And she was like, oh, like, they're, they're quite expensive. Like, let's just, like, we'll go to the bottle and get some. I was like, I am not doing this whole palaver all over again. I would rather pay 50 bucks for one beer. I just, I can't do this conversation twice. And she was like, oh, okay. So, <laughs> 
took the net most of my beer because I was just so nervous. And she was like, would kissing help? And I was like, kissing's great. And then away we went. We So we had sex and that I was like, I am not attracted to this person and I feel like I know what I'm doing. That was a new experience for me to feel like I was comfortable and like I knew what I was doing and like so turned on the whole way through. And I was like, oh, this feels like quite different and I'm not even attract- that attracted to this lovely person. So we had sex and then... <laughs> We went to the concert. That was hilarious. And then we got home. I think we had sex again. And then the next morning I woke up to her stroking the hair off of my face very sweetly. And I completely freaked out. But I still had sex with her again. And then we went to her breakfast place and she was like wanting to hold my hand. And um, I was like quite uncomfortable with that. And she's like, oh, are you not into PDA? And I was like oh, no, like I am, I just don't want to. And in my head, I was like, this was good. This is lovely. You're very lovely, lovely person, but just not my person, which is fun. Anyway, so we had breakfast and then we headed back. And then I pulled my very childish trick of like, let's be friends, (laughs) like a complete fuckwit. And then I started dating someone else a couple of weeks later that I dated for six months. So she was not only the first female you'd slept with, but she was also the first person you'd slept with since breaking up with Simon. Mm -hmm. So that was a lot. All at once. Eddie, all at once. She got the full package, didn't she? She (gasps) Poor love. I feel so bad for her. (laughs) She took the brunt of your new life experiences. She did, and I'm very grateful to her for that. Wow. So that was what? A year after split up with with Simon? A bit over a year, yeah. It's understandable to be uh, nervous and and feel a bit awkward with anyone after a long-term relationship breaks down. So Yeah, and then add into that that whole like I knew, like I'd told her I'd kissed a woman, so I was like I knew that that bit wasn't true, which I was feeling quite (laughs) conflicted about obviously. And then I'm just fucking naturally awkward anyway. So add that in and it just was a whole barrel of laughs for her. (laughs) At what point or how far into you being gay did those feelings of who am I, what's my life look like, what's the meaning of my life, did those those feelings and those insecurities and, and questions subside for you? It did take a while. Probably the first two years. I also felt like I wasn't gay enough for a while. You weren't gay enough. Yeah. Explain that. Explain this for me. (laughs) So um, there's a quite, like I've got quite a lot of queer friends now and it's a quite common experience, especially in the first couple of years if you've come out quite late in the game or like, you know, said you were queer later in life sort of thing. And it's also not helped by there is like an element in the queer community that can feel a bit like that. But it's also, it's, you know, it's internalised hypophobia, ultimately. It's you crazy, right? turning that against yourself. Yeah, it's fucked. It's such a head fuck. Um, yeah, so for a bit there I was like, oh, no, like I'm not, I'm not gay enough. And then when I first started sort of getting on the apps, I remember this one woman was sort of like, oh, you're not gay, you've just had a bad relationship. And I was like, oh, no, like I didn't. He's lovely. He's a really lovely guy. There's like nothing wrong with him. I just don't want to be with men anymore. You know, and that relationship ended because it met its end. But like, he's not a bad person. And then I sort of even felt like that 
when I had a girlfriend and I've kind of moved past that now to like, yeah, no, I'm pretty gay, pretty comfortable with it. <laughs> you stating this, this prospect that you have gay tendencies or thoughts or beliefs but you're not gay enough, you know how when you sometimes meet and I probably haven't seen it as much in females as I have in males, but often you'll meet gay men and they are they are elaborately gay. They're over the top. Do you think that's just them or do you think sometimes it's them trying to prove that they're gay? Um, not prove, but I definitely know, like, because I've, you know, I've gone and tried to educate myself a bit about it. I'm not the most educated person around it at all. There's a lot of queer theory stuff that I haven't read, but I do know it is a way to a signal to other queer people that you're queer. And also it's a way to push back against your own stuff. And then there's some people that are just so relieved to be able to share that part of themselves. You know, like I've met gay men that you would never guess are gay. And then I've met gay men that are so elaborate and beautifully over the top and um, hilariously into it, which is amazing. And then same with gay women. Like I've met women that dress quite masculine. They present like that. And then there's women that, like I've got queer friends that love makeup and have gorgeous hair and nails, always dressing in dresses. You know, there's that like femme presentation. You're still gay. Like it doesn't actually matter what you fucking look like or how you show up in the world. If you're gay, you're gay. Like it's not it's not a costume that you're wearing or putting on. But there can feel like there's an element of like I don't know how to wear the costume, you know, especially when you first come out because you're sure that there is a costume. These days I'm um, I know people think I'm gay whatever I'm wearing, so it's less less of a um thing, but it definitely was something I worried about when I first came out, for sure. Do you think is that it for you now? Is it Women for life? It definitely is women <laughs> for life. Or do you life. think like you would ever flutter in, you know, bisexuality or go back to being hetero again? Is it or is now you're like, nope. I have zero interest yeah, right. in ever sleeping with a man ever again. How do you think it affected Simon? Uh, I think the breakout was quite hard, but I also think he wasn't okay before that. You know, and I have uh, regrets about the way the first, you know, 12 months sort of played out. But I just think, you know, and there's decisions I've made that have affected him that he hasn't appreciated, which, like, I understand. But, you know, there's also decisions he's made that I haven't appreciated. I think that happens in any breakup and in any relationship. Like, that's pretty pretty normal thing. Because sometimes you've got to make a decision that's the right decision for you that will affect people in a way that they don't like. And that's a <laughs> shitty part of life. Like sometimes doing the right thing for you is not the right thing for other people or it's not the thing that they would wish for. Do you think you being gay affected him negatively? Because obviously, you know, he's been with this woman for 13 years and then she goes, oh, hey, I want to break up. And, well, you know, this is a conversation you've had that you going to break up and then you say also by the way just a little side note here I'm queer mm. so it, do you feel, feel like that was emasculating at all for him I don't think so just in terms of I don't think he ever rated his own masculinity based on my you yeah, know on me sexual preference yeah Mm-mm. Um, well, that's good he's yeah he's quite you know, he's got a quite solid sense of self. So I don't think I rocked that very much. You know, he's in a relationship now with a woman that he really loves and I'm fucking stoked for both of them that they have that. He was probably one of the most supportive people in my life of that queer experience for me. 
which like to his credit says a lot about yeah, him then totally and he is like he's a really lovely guy mm. he's great like loving dad really loves his kids really kind i don't know if i would have had a relationship with him if he hadn't been that person do you know what i mean like i have been very lucky in that i have consistently had beautiful loving relationships with very lovely people um and yeah to his credit like he went into bat for me well after we'd spittle mm. it up with like friends with family mm. yeah yeah, what a good human. What a beautiful experience to have for something that, you know, is, isn't the easiest thing to to go through. No, it's not. And all for him, you know, like, and he was, he was so kind and so supportive and just like, you know, we had some conversations about people that were a bit, you know, tricky or whatever. And he'd just be like, mate, I just, you've just got to like, you've got to be yourself. You've got to be happy. Like, you know, this, like, I want you to be happy conversation happened more than once there was parts of it that felt quite um like I was quite alone but never because of him do you wish you came out earlier no I don't regret how my life has played out I don't think I would have been a mum if I'd come out earlier and being a mum has really shaped who I am as a person parenting's fucking hard but my kids are lovely people and me parenting them has created the person that I am now, which I really quite like who I am now. And I don't know if I would have had that same experience if I had done that earlier. And I just think everything has its own timing. Would you ever get married to your partner now? <laughs> so here's the thing, Eddie. I have asked her multiple times and she keeps saying not yet or maybe or no. <laughs> wow. Isn't it funny though? It never happened with Simon. It sort of wasn't a, the highest priority. Mm, now I would quite like it. Yeah, now you would. So that's it's interesting how that's played out, how that never actually happened. You know, you're engaged, but it just didn't didn't uh, come to fruition. So yeah, I I really believe in fate, and I believe when the right people for you are meant to be in your life, it will happen. In and it can that can come out and all pardon the pun, come out in many different shapes. You know, shapes and forms. How wonderful for you that you've met this person, you want to get married. I think that's a wonderful thing. And you sound really, really happy and like you've actually self-awareness around you not basically being authentic for some time and and leaving a long-term relationship but still maintaining a friendship with Simon and, and it sounds like your kids are doing okay and you're happy in a relationship so it's all worked out and it's fine and dandy. Kind of worked out. Took a risk. Yeah. It's wild. I couldn't have bared to imagine this because of the pain of not getting it would have been too much, I think, you know, but I kind of had hoped that eventually I would meet someone. So now all those people who said to you in the past, oh, Tess, you're gay. <laughs> have you had any I, I told you so's? There was one in particular because I had a very big reaction and after I came out, I sort of sent her a message and I was like, I'm so sorry for how I reacted. Like it was just completely not okay. And by the way, you're right. And she was like, <laughs> dude, I know. <laughs> but I know, you know, like I'm so fucking grateful to be gay, truly. And that might sound like a weird sentence, but. Um, it's not something I've heard before, but I'm happy you're saying it. <laughs> yeah, I am. And I just am fucking grateful for my life, Eddie. Like I really am. I'm incredibly lucky and just. I am fucking stoked to be gay, to be really honest with you. It's the best. <laughs> well, 
I have this saying, Tess. The fact that I still like men is proof that sexuality isn't a choice. (laughs) (laughs) So sometimes I just wish I had just had that disposition just to go for women, but for the meantime, men it is. (laughs) In saying that, though, women aren't always easy. I know a lot of women that have come out of some relationships with women and have not been very kind about it. So um, I think that's an individual thing too, you know. Yeah. It's not even a sexuality thing. It's a comes down to the individual. The person, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not all men are assholes. Lots of them are. <laughs> Definitely not. Love men, love men. <laughs> They're great. Tess uh, Lehman, thank you so very much for sharing your story. Thank you for having me. I really appreciated our chat. Next week on episode 15, I share a story of how two people met and became engaged in a very short nine days. For all the love story tragics out there, you are going to want to tune in to this.